I'm absolutely delighted to start off 2021 by announcing a new mini-series with our first ever Digital Workplace Impact sponsor, and that is WorkGrid Software. WorkGrid is a technology provider in the employee experience space and a founding partner of the DWG Institute. And we really wanted to partner, I really wanted to partner with someone who fitted our ethos perfectly. And WorkGrid certainly does that. But instead of just saying WorkGrid is amazing, what we decided to do is kick off future episodes with a little moment of digital workplace inspiration, courtesy of WorkGrid. So please treat this as a series trailer. And now for today's show. For me as CIO, it's about reducing those Fridays where large changes are put into my estate by well-meaning people on my team and me waking up on Saturday morning and having an outage. Um, And, you know, in a large estate like mine, I've dealt with lots of outages. Since I have moved my applications to the cloud, I haven't had an outage. I still have some weak points around the network that I need to address, but the things in the cloud, they just work. And that, you know, know, not having to call my chief trader or my chief accountant or my chief HR officer or procurement officer and say, I'm really sorry, but if you've got people working at the weekend, they might be having difficulties. I just thought it doesn't happen anymore. Touch wood. Today, I was in conversation with Damien Bunyan, who is the CIO, Chief Information Officer at Uniper, which is a, an energy company. You'll hear a little bit more about that based in Dusseldorf in Germany. He's responsible for all of their technology uh, globally and for their trading back office operations, uh, which is a substantial undertaking. And at one time, he's kind of spent all of his life in uh, working life in the uh, in this field. He was at PowerGen, Centrica in the UK, and it was a really interesting conversation. It came out of a com- it came out of a, a meeting that Damien and I and a few other people had where he described himself as the luckiest CIO in the world. And I thought, I like that. I look, I like that. And also Damien sounded to me like he really was the luckiest CIO in the world. And I thought, I wonder what makes for a lucky CIO, because it's not an expression you often hear. One of the things that stayed with me is something they said during the interview, which was he was really surprised at how far the organization in the days of COVID had been able to run um, power stations while lying on the sofa. The people probably weren't on the sofa. They were probably at a desk or something like that. But basically in a situation where you wouldn't expect it. And I think it often sort of takes me by surprise when I realize what it's possible to do uh, remotely. Um, and that was certainly part of the experience. And I think it's a really, if you're a uh, young CIO, um, any CIO actually in any organization, he asked you to focus on the word information in the CIO, chief information officer, and to kind of get um, orderliness. And he's got a German word for that during the episode, which I won't try and pronounce for you. Um, so I hope you enjoy the uh, interview with Damien Bunyan. Well, I guess the place to start, Damien, is could you just um, describe 
for listeners um what does uniper do and and what's what's your role there okay so um i guess your listeners many of them may have heard of an organization called eon or aon um as it's called in its home turf germany so aon eon was a large international front-to-end integrated energy company and the energy business like many other businesses is going through significant change and eon decided to respond to that by separating its business into two uh, so eon took its brand took its significant number of customers took its networks took its windmills uh, solar panels and went off into what it called the new energy world and carved out um, and set free a business called Uniper, or that, that decided then uh, to call itself Uniper, which was maybe somewhat uncharmingly made responsible for what was called the old energy world. Um, we, we have a collection of uh, electricity generating assets, uh, some of them coal, some gas, some hydro, uh, we also have a very large gas transportation business moving significant chunks of Europe's gas uh, from A to B. And we also have a very large energy trading business, which uh, you need uh, um, uh, for risk management, but also to optimize the, the assets. And although that's called the old energy world, actually producing energy and moving it around isn't um, bad in itself, but clearly the energy world is going through a large transformation and Uniper uh, exists uh, to enable this energy transformation um, to make sure that today, uh, when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing, that there's still energy, but helps societies move to a world where it can become either wholly or mostly relying on, on renewables. So it's an energy company at heart a lot of engineering expertise, um, has a very long, uh, large tradition, um, but wants to see itself as having a future role too. Mm -hmm. And and um, just give me a, uh, an idea of the numbers of employees and the countries that you operate in. Okay, so employee-wise, we're around about the 12,000 mark. Um, Germany is is home. Uh, but we have a large footprint in the United Kingdom, in Sweden, uh, Hungary. We have a very large Russian business. Um, and energy is becoming interconnected around the world. So uh, we have growing activities in North America. Um, we have um, businesses in Dubai, in Singapore. Uh, and we're mo moving further east um, and further west. Okay. And um, so you're the uh, CIO, the chief information officer and 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 you and i got into conversation and and during that and this was what intrigued me was you described yourself and i hadn't heard this expression before that you were the luckiest cio in the world and i thought that's interesting and then you explained um so could you tell me what 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 makes you feel like the luckiest cio yeah i the the, the thought that I was, was lucky arose um, at the beginning of this year when Microsoft invited me to hold a keynote speech at the, the unveiling of what they called their Germany cloud, so Azure becoming a little bit more local. And they wanted a CIO 
um, who could explain to other CIOs what they should be doing with this thing called the cloud. Uh, and so I was a little bit flattered by that. And when they said to me, well, what do you want to call uh, your your speech? And I said, well, I don't know. You want me? You wanted me to say something. What do you want me to talk about? And, and in many ways, the fact that I'm in the position I am, I'm in, um, I was, as a CIO, I got lucky. Now, that was, there's a little bit of understatement in there. I'm very proud of what my team and I have achieved, and we can go on to talk about what that means. Um, but when Uniper was formed in 2016, lots of CIOs like myself were kind of umming and aahing about this thing called the cloud. What was it? Was it right for us? Um, could we afford it? Was it secure? Did it do what it promised or was it just hype? Um, and lots of my colleagues in the, the CIO scene were kind of going around in circles. I didn't have time for that. Uh, I was presented with the need to carve my IT out of what was Eon's IT, and Eon was very proud, and I was a proud IT um, executive at Aon. We built our own data centers, we built our own networks, um, but it was getting old. Okay, so that's that's great. So, um, Damien, so so you were talking about twenty sixteen and and your move, I think, at that time to the cloud, and and your experience with Microsoft earlier this year. And and you were taking me through the story of being the luckiest CIO in the world. And um, so so do please carry on. We we got ourselves into the situation where we where we just simply didn't have the the luxurious time to debate about should we go into the cloud or not. Um, so the the decision that we would exit the data centers that we had, that we had to go somewhere else. We weren't going to build another data center. So suddenly the cloud became the answer. So it became more a question of how would we do it? Of course, you know, we're running uh, systems that require a level of, of security. So we, we had to ask ourselves, how would we do it? Not if we would do it. Um, a good decision along the way was to say, let's not debate about which cloud is uh, the best. Uh, we will never get to the point where we use all the functionality that's available and the functionality that uh, becomes available can outpace our ability to use it. So we took, which I think for us in our context was a good decision to say we would go to one cloud. And frankly, uh, we chose Microsoft because of all of the cloud providers. That was the only provider where we knew anybody. Um, so cloud's a little bit anonymous, but IT is still to some extent a people business. And because we knew some people at Microsoft, we went to one cloud. So we took away the decision, did we want to go to the cloud? We took away the decision, which cloud? And suddenly you were able to tell the application owners who'd never done this before, you have to be out of your current location with, that's, that's hosting your application, and you have to be in this thing called the cloud by a certain date. And that pressure to do something rather than to debate if and ask and, and to do it in a sensible way that didn't cost more than it needed to, um, it's amazing what IT, IT people can achieve. And um, 
for a while, the project was on red. We were trying to do something we'd never done before. And we, we went, we sort of flipped backwards and forwards a little bit between should we do this from a, a with a central approach or should it be decentral? But eventually we found our rhythm and we started moving things and we started to reap benefits, um, that we'd maybe never thought of or, maybe only hoped of but 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 weren't quite sure about and i'm i'm a british person living and working in germany and you would think coming from the uk that germans are very punctual and they're very well structured and everything's in an orderly fashion but actually from an it perspective there's not that much difference that i don't find being in the uk or germany and at, on the very first day when you're in this um you know, it, you've decided that you're going to move everything. You ask a very simple question, something like, can I have a list of all my current applications so that I can build a plan of uh, when to move them? And I couldn't. I couldn't get a complete hand-on-heart list of all of my applications and where were they hosted. And, of course, we had the complexity that we were mixed up with our ex-sister Eon, if you like, so it wasn't straightforward. But when I speak now to CIOs and I tell them I'm lucky, I ask them, how on earth can any of you hand on heart drive IT security? Or how, how can any of you talk about big data in earnest if you don't know how many applications you have and where they're all Hosted. Yeah. So, so, uh, and what makes, I mean, I can see that that was a very, um, uh, uh, sensible, uh, a lot of foresight in that decision, but wh why would that make you lucky? Um, it, it's a, it, if I project now, I'm going to jump all the way through to March, 2019 in March, 2019, we had more or less finished moving all of the applications into the cloud. Now, if I'm honest, there's one or two that aren't modern enough to make it, but they, they kind of found their end or interim landings on. And we just, that's that's kind of the hosting, the heavy lifting backend side. On the workspace side, uh, we'd also decided to move ourselves away from Eon's on-premise, older world, Outlook solution combined with Windows 7. And when you need to move off that, you can either do cut and paste, I guess, or what we decided to do was move to a Windows 10 environment to move on to Office 365 and to deploy effectively an anytime, any device, securely, anywhere strategy. And then comes COVID-19 and you ask yourself or you're asked the question as CIO, how many people could we send home all at once? And I thought we could send them all home. And, and by that, I mean that's everybody from the 12,000 who's not physically doing something at a power station. Um, and we tested it one Friday early in March. And since then, we've never gone back. And since then, uh, one of my daily challenges is going into meetings with colleagues who start the meeting by singing the praises of IT, of my team, and everything that they've done to enable the business uh, to work in difficult times. And when I talk about working from home, I'm not just talking about 
the fact that we're all on Office 365 and we can look at our Power BI reports instantly in Teams meetings. I'm talking about people steering power stations. I'm talking about 300 traders who are trading huge volumes of transactions in an ever-increasing digital world, and they're doing them from the sofas and the dining tables of, of where they're living. And in comparison to our competitors, we are streets ahead. And so I, going from a world where you're kind of, you know, I was no more or less loved than any other CIO, into one where the chief executive is is virtually at the annual general meeting praising IT in front of all the shareholders and journalists. You kind of sit back and, and people are praising me and my way of dealing with that is to say, well, we were lucky, um, so let's not get ahead of ourselves, but we did ride our luck with, with foresight and it was a massive effort to take, to be the first organization in the world to move um, energy-related SAP applications into the public cloud or to be the first organization in the world to move energy trading applications into the public cloud. And that gives us, as an organization, from an IT perspective, a competitive advantage. So, you know, and there's a lot in between where I started and where I've just been. Um, and that, but me calling it lucky is my way of dealing with um, the, the 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 praise and the and the love that's coming towards <laughs> yeah, you. Well, there's that expression, you know. Um, I think it was from from Alex Ferguson, one-time manager of Manchester United football team, who said, "Yeah, the, you know, the better we prepare, the luckier we get." And 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 there is that point, isn't it? I mean, you. It wasn't that you, um, in a way, you well, you partly did make the decision, but then the timing around uh, the commitment that you'd made to move into the cloud. And I suppose one of the things I've kind of wondered about over over probably the last um, 10 years is why um, CIOs often and, and kind of IT functions generally in large organizations have historically always thought that, well, we can't move to the cloud because it, we need to, it's about security. And that would then presume, let's say you're not a technology company, let's say you're a retailer. It would presume that your IT security is better than Microsoft's um, or any <laughs> of the large technology providers, which is a strange kind of claim to make, isn't it, really? But it, and I mean, the way you've then kind of just stepped back a little bit and just presented that statement, which has got the answer embedded in it. There is no way that I can compete with Microsoft. And it's not, it's not the, it's not the fact that their data center is bigger and has a bigger wall. It's the automation. And um, the fact that once you're in the cloud, this is being managed really in a lights out way where, and if you can really get onto platform as a service, and by the way, we're, we're not finished, but if you can really get onto platform as a service, that you are no longer worrying about, are my databases on the latest version? Those, that kind of work that actually, and I'd always, I've, I've just exposed that even German IT employees might not be as structured as you'd like them to be uh, sometimes. 
that 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 kind of mundane stuff that's just really important gets taken away and done for you. And then alongside that becomes all of Microsoft's uh, tools. And of course, you know, if, if, if Uniper gets hacked, it gets quite difficult. If Microsoft gets hacked, that, you know, their whole business model be, uh, comes into question. So they just have uh, a level of, of defense that, that I can't meet. But interestingly, when you talk about cloud, lots of people are searching for something different or, or attach a benefit to the cloud. Um, so the, the owners of the application, um, they quite like speed. They always dislike the old world infrastructure teams who, who need uh, three months to fire up a new server. So they think they can do it themselves. They think they can get away from being slowed down by uh, these people. For me, as CIO, it's about reducing those Fridays where large changes are put into my estate by well-meaning people on my team and me waking up on Saturday morning and having an outage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a larger state like mine, I've dealt with lots of outages. Since I have moved my applications to the cloud, I haven't had an outage. I still have some weak points around the network that I need to address, but the things in the cloud, they just work. And that, you know, the, you know not having to call my chief trader or my chief accountant or my chief HR officer or procurement officer and say, I'm really sorry, but if you've got people working at the weekend, they might be having difficulties. I just thought it doesn't happen anymore. Touch wood. Mm. Mm. So, so can I just ask, I mean, have you been, were you surprised that come this year, and and obviously the fact that you were uh, you were probably not so surprised that you could move to a remote way of working so much, but that you could actually have people, are you? I'll say sort of running power stations from their sofas. Um, were you surprised at what it what it was possible for you to do in this distributed way? Yes, uh, it, um, it. I. One of my, you know, is this the right way around of putting it? As a CIO, you know, you introduce all of this technology, and one of the many criticisms is uh, comes with the word communication. You haven't told us about it very well. You certainly haven't trained us. People want training programs to be able to use the newest version of this product or that. And if you think about something like Microsoft Teams. The IT team was using it, but not necessarily everybody else. And other people wanted to be trained. Now, the fact that you and I might be able to find a video on YouTube that someone's put up for free um, may be true. But for for the normal user, and my my user base is well educated, they just you know they they don't pick up this tech as fast as you'd like them to across the board, that is. And then suddenly on Friday, you send them all home to test and they never come back. And if it, it, in, my, in my role, um, I'm, it was important for me not just to be the, the chief IT person. I also have a number of business functions. So I, I, my own business success is driven by how well the technology works or not. Without exaggerating, 
over 80% of the things I measure to see whether I am performing well or not or better than I was or not, over 80% of the things that I measure are at all-time record heights. So we've not only have we, let's say, survived, but people are now using the technology we were giving them and they are producing a level of performance for Uniper that we have never experienced in our short-ish uh, history. But I'm assuming that's not just just because you've moved so um, fully into the cloud. The, 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 there's other things that you've done that's enabled that level of, of kind of peak performance. I think it's, it's pretty much then down um, to how easy it's become to communicate and, and collaborate. When I saw the invitation for this interview that we're doing now, somewhere embedded in the email, I, I saw the word Skype and I panicked a little bit um, because we, as an organization, we never had a good um, experience with Skype. It was always a bit flaky and with mobile phones and what have you. Microsoft Teams, you know, if I think back a year to how we were using video communication, we are at a completely different level. In one-to-ones, uh, town hall meetings were an international business. I can't afford, or I could never afford to bring all of my IT people together. So I used to have kind of almost first-class citizens and second-class citizens. The ones sitting near me in the headquarters got lots of physical time with Damien, but the ones in the UK or Sweden or, or in Houston and Calgary and Dubai, they were always a kind of arm's length. Now as long as I get the timing right, I can speak to everybody and they can see me. And it works. Um, it works. Our, our board meetings, you know, who would ever do this with senior executives? They just have a routine where the board meetings take place and whoever needs to present an agenda item is, is sitting kind of waiting in a virtual lobby and off they go. And the, the meetings we have with thousands of people where the presenters, and this would have been terrifying in the past, are the senior executive team, and it works. So it enables it, it enables this working that we have in COVID times. Now, how organisations and how Uniper chooses to take this technology, you know, whenever COVID is behind us, is is a very big question, and I don't I don't have the answer to that, um, but. We've just we can work virtually, and people are working from any device. They're working, you know. I'm I'm talking to you on my my home equipment, but I'm inside the Uniper network, and I know uh, that my security is being looked after. Hmm. Well, why do you think it? I mean, it's, I'm just kind of thinking about what you said about this this whole shift to leadership um, uh, communication online. Um, you know, what we also talked about, which was prior resistance to moving into the cloud. Um, you know, uh, there's also been this assumption that people couldn't work in this sort of hyper remote way. Why is it that, why is it that organizations you think historically are so sort of, if you like, kind of digitally resistant or digitally cautious? I guess because they're run by human beings. Um, and 
human beings when they're confronted with any new kind of technology, I guess, have a, a trepidation. Now, of course, that the, you know, you have the explorers and the pioneers, and you have those that are um, that, that hold themselves back somewhat. Um, and I, you know, even while we're talking about you know what comes next, you can still you can see the those willing to experiment and do things differently. You can see those managers who were prepared to put their arms around their teams again and get them back. Um, I, I guess, but I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist, it's pretty much human nature. And certainly, if I think about our cloud journey, we couldn't find anybody who could tell us what it would be like to go from zero to 100%. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, at that point, trying to, you know, if I if you were an if you're an organization without the burning platform to convince your senior decision makers to spend a lot of money to prioritize actually this spend over other things to do something that nobody else has done, um, it's quite tricky. Actually, we're an energy company, so we are probably on the more conservative end of the spectrum. Um, than the kind of the pioneer end necessarily. So, um, if that was twenty sixteen and now it's twenty twenty, what what changes are you preparing for now um, for the future? What I mean, how are you approaching twenty twenty one? And also, maybe how are you how are you thinking about the next three years? Because I, I I've noticed quite a few organisations looking at a sort of three to four year digital transformation strategy um and what what kind of things do you think are a sort of priorities and where are you focusing okay let me let me park at first that phrase digital transformation strategy um mm-hmm. and we can choose to come come back to that at a very practical level um i want to finish my no finish is wrong i want to get to the next stage on my cloud journey. And what do I mean by that? I principally mean two things. Uh, I put my teams under pressure by giving them a deadline that they had to be out of this data center by um, Easter of this year. Now, in in the, let's say, the, the rush to achieve that, not every application has made itself to the utopia that is platform as, as a service or even containers. So I still have a big chunk of my estate that is on infrastructure as a service. If that's if I'm on infrastructure as a service, I am not allowing Damien as CIO to feel as lucky as he'd really like to feel. So getting to that level of automation where the machines do the work properly that human beings had a a tendency to do hit and miss in in the past. Um, The second thing I've realized, particularly in lockdown, when everybody's working from their home office, from their sofa, from their dining room table, is the network has become much more critical. Mm. Um, And the level of automation that Microsoft give me on Azure, I would like to be enjoying in my ne- on my network. Since, since we've gone more or less 
fully into the cloud, we've still had a number of, 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 of issues where things haven't been working, where the, the user with the, the keyboard and the screen couldn't do what she wanted to do or he wanted to do. And they have been network issues. Um, so I want to get to the point of having, and I'm, I'm not a network specialist, but I think what I want is something akin to um, a software-defined network. So if, if I had a focus around 2021, it would be that. Alongside that, I would have a number of security um, activities where I want to make sure that all of my assets are monitored real-time by machinery that is able to sort out the good from the bad. And so they will be at the forefront of my mind um, for next year. Um, at the same time, and then going on beyond that, um, and you introduced me as the chief information officer, I think this, this concept of information is, is, is critical for a business like, like ours. Um, if I now know where all of my applications are, and I managed to retire a third of them because I didn't really need them um, as I moved out of the data center and into the cloud. Now that I know where my data is, we're starting to exploit the power of the cloud by having built, and I'm not sure I like the, the name, but having built a data lake. So we're now, we, we've got our, our information in this data lake. And I have two very important types of user. One is a mechanical engineer at a power station who wants to, who wants to exploit predictive maintenance. IoT, um, real-time terabytes of data coming out of power stations. Um, and we want to exploit that. Similarly, we have traders doing hundreds of thousands of transactions uh, a month. It's impossible as a trader to understand everything that's happened in the market that you're trading. But a machine can be exposed to all transactions that have ever taken place and start to draw conclusions that even the most gifted people could never draw. So... Some people might call that artificial intelligence. You might choose to call it machine learning. But exploiting the compute power of the cloud and the cheap storage with great technologies that are now coming online. And because we've put all our data into the lake uh, on this thing called the cloud, I, we have a, the opportunity to do things that some of our competitors can't do. Mm. So what, what advice do you have for, for other CIOs um, who are intrigued, inspired by your journey? Um, what, what, what would you, how would you advise them? I, I've lived in Germany a long time and I can, I've learned to speak German. My favorite German word is Ordnung. This is this idea of everything being orderly. Um, and you can't be chief information officer if everything's not really orderly. So this, this idea of knowing what you have, knowing where it is, knowing um, what level of security it's enjoying or not, these are basics. 
And if you don't get the basics right, you need to question why you're trying to do some of the fancier stuff um, at the front end. Lots of people are under pressure to build agile solutions to solve customer issues, and that's all great. But if you're doing that on a backbone that is dated, you're going to run into problems at some point. And I just had the luxury of not having to you know, create a business case to say, I, I, you know, I want to spend the money on the backbone first. We just had to do it. And the stability, the security, um, the, the, the data lake that we've created. One of my, one of our engineers recently said to me, his job these days was, was akin to selling ice cream on the beach of, on Mallorca. It's just so much easier than it was. Because we've done stuff in the back, in the back end for him. And, mm. you know, I just see myself as this, this person called the chief information officer. And when you look after the information of your company with Ordnung in an orderly fashion, you're, you're doing your job. Mm. Sounds like your, your approach is one that, that uh, really resonates with the culture of Uniper as well. We, we, we never asked as employees of the old Eon organization, we never asked to be carved out as, as individuals. Um, and that, that hurt a little bit to be kind of moved out. And on, on day one, people even questioned whether we would have a long-term existence. We were even called uh, by the press, the bad bank of the energy business, um, so that that creates kind of a almost a siege mentality, if you like. You want to prove either people wrong or you want to prove yourself right. Um, and getting on and doing the right thing and doing it in a way that maybe even some of our ex-colleagues in our old business haven't been able to do, um, that generates a lot of positive momentum. And we we created when we started kind of a cultural roadmap for our company we called it the uniper way um and some of the adjectives that we associated with being on this uniper way um you you can hear this it journey this kind of consequential working out what it is you want to setting out about doing it and and getting there um is is very important and for an IT team to then come out the other side um, and have the nice problem of being praised almost too much in meetings um, is, yeah, is, is quite a nice upside in a very tricky year. It sounds like from what you described, you called yourself a renewables company and, and rather than a, a, a kind of like bad bank for energy. Has what you've been able to achieve allowed the organization, if you like, to evolve its own strategy? Yes. Um, now, that's very much ongoing. Um, you know, we, we want to build the company for the future, and our fossil fuel, fuel power stations um, have now a shelf life that is more or less determined. And in Europe, the number of fossil-fired power stations will keep decreasing, and we think that that is good. Now, as they decrease, 
We might prefer it if our competitors' power stations disappear first. We keep our businesses going because we use predictive maintenance to run our business more effectively. So we can carry on generating cash while Europe still needs um, some fossil fuel generation. And we take that money and we invest it in other things such as hydrogen or renewables such that we can be successful in the future. You know, as, as you move from a world where energy comes from a small number of very large power stations to a much more decentral world, the role of technology, I think, becomes much more important. Um, Uniper will be successful in enabling the energy evolution, which is how we describe it, and it will get there more successfully um, uh, via the digital revolution that we're going through. Hmm. Okay, that's great. And um, just in the interest of time, Damien, the question that I I like to close with is just describe a perfect working day for you. Oh, I... (laughs) In my perfect working day, I run the risk of lightly irritating the people who report to me directly because I like spending my day with the technologists who are making a difference, trying to share with them a little bit of my bigger picture, but also then trying to learn from them what it is that they can achieve with what they're doing. And I I learn a lot from that. And when I share with those employees the, the goodwill that now exists in the business, that kind of creates a, a positive uh, spiral, if you like. And not all of the people who work for Uniper's IT are Uniper's employees. We have um, a large number of people who support us externally. We're very heavily outsourced. So doing that with those people too, even if they're working uh, somewhere in Asia um, is something I en- enjoy uh, enjoy doing. Now, I always enjoy doing that in a very hands-on way, speaking with people, and I miss being able to see those people I, I work with and draw on whiteboards and uh, and look at look over their shoulder at what they're doing. But on the flip side, this virtual world that we're currently all in allows you to reach far more people uh, every day. So. I just mm. like speaking with the people making a difference. Hmm. That's that's great. And um, any final reflections or anything, any final comments or thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, just maybe suddenly the power of the workspace. Um, that's how you and I came into contact. It was something that was becoming devalued almost over time. And I can see a number of the suppliers who support us with our our working environment thinking of divesting those bits of the business because they become less and less uh, interesting. But I think this year has proven how you can't digitally enable your workforce if they don't have a working environment um, at which they they can work effortlessly, seamlessly, 
uh, at any time uh, from from any device from anywhere um, and trying to take what we've developed and such that in a year's time uh, we can say we're, we're even further um, that's that's a question I don't have my own answer to uh, but I, I look forward to ongoing dialogues uh, from uh, from contacts that you might have um, who may help give us pointers as to as to where to go. Hmm. No, I think it's a good way of putting it. I mean, we we talked about in 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 some of the things that that we've written about the digital workplace became the essential workplace, and one of the thing, one of the, I think, untold stories so far of this year has been the way that the technology um, landscape generally has supported. Um, kind of life and work um, because it's been on, on what's been required of it has been unprecedented and it's not been perfect. But, but frankly, if this pandemic had hit 10 years ago, I think we'd, we would be in a significantly worse position than, you know, than in 2020. Um, so it's, and, and of course it's, that's not bad news, it's good news. So it tends not to get kind of picked up. But I think that's that's one of the things that's happened. And as you said, you know, organizations thinking, well, you know, the, the, the digital enter, enterprise infrastructure is a sort of hygiene factor. Let's let's outsource it. But it actually becomes part of your capability. And as you've said, can then also affect the, the strategic direction of the organization. Well, thank you so much, Damien, for, for sharing your story. And I, and I have to agree. I think you you are the luckiest CIO, but I think you're probably uh, one of the best prepared CIOs as well. And I think the two things, um, uh, two things are related. It's a, a pleasure uh, talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.